Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series studying the book of Jonah to help us fight the pull of apathy that keeps us from joining Jesus in his mission in the world. Thanks for being with us. Well, as we've been practicing every week in this series, uh, we are practicing a tradition that churches have practiced for thousands of years where we're standing out of respect for God's word. So uh, at the end of Jason's reading, he will say, this is the word of the Lord, and we will respond by saying, thanks be to God. But we're looking at Jonah 4 together this morning. From the book of Jonah, chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, I want to ask you, when you think of bad endings to a book or a TV show or a movie, uh, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you? Whoa. (laughs) Uh, For me, it's the book you were probably forced to read in high school at some point called 1984 by George Orwell. How many of you were forced to read that book? Yes. It's a book about two people fighting against the government, fighting against the man, and you're just expecting this great ending to happen, but instead they're both brainwashed. And they become a part of the system. And friends, I would just say in the same way as we wrap up this series in the book of Jonah, this is an extremely disappointing ending. If you've been with us, we've been studying Jonah as a way to remind us of God's heart for people that do not yet know him. Just like God has called Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites, he has called us to go into the world and to make disciples. This is his mission for us as a church. But as we've talked about as well, this is one of the easiest and fastest things that sort of gets gets we become apathetic about in our lives. Just We sort of just stop to care about bringing the message of Jesus to others. Now, when I say the word apathy, I'm gonna say this one last time. I'm not talking about laziness. What we're talking about is fighting against this lack of motivation. 
this lack of enthusiasm, this lack of concern. This happens both in my personal relationship with Jesus, right? Sometimes it's just easy to get into my rhythm, to forget about him, to become apathetic about spiritual practices. But we're focusing on this idea of becoming apathetic when it comes to sharing our faith with others. And so throughout this series, here's been our sentence. If you're following on your notes, as his people, we must fight the pull of apathy in our mission. And I got to tell you, if the book of Jonah ended last week in chapter 3, history would have portrayed Jonah as the greatest prophet who ever lived. If you were here, we saw Jonah preached one message that was five words long, and an entire city came to believe God. And God showed them incredible mercy from their repentance and faith. And you would think that Jonah would be pretty fired up about that, right? You would think as a prophet of God to see that kind of a response would be an incredible thing. He'd be full of thanksgiving and amazement. God, thank you so much for the privilege of allowing me to be the vessel of this great change. I know I would. I mean, if that happened, that would be incredible. Unfortunately, as we just heard from Jason, that is not Jonah's attitude. That is not how this book ends in chapter 4. We find out that God didn't do what Jonah wanted him to do, and Jonah is angry, the angry prophet, angry that God would dare show mercy to these people. And of course, the irony is of this whole book, if we haven't missed it, right, is that God has been showing Jonah mercy upon mercy upon mercy. We talked about mercy is just undeserved favor. But here's the difference, and this is where we're headed today. Jonah thinks he deserves mercy. But other people don't think, he doesn't think other people do. Can you get to a place like that? Where you think, I deserve mercy, I deserve that person's forgiveness, I deserve blessings from God, but they don't. That is where Jonah finds himself, and that is what we're looking at today. If last week was all about God's incredible mercy to people like us, this week is all about what are we going to do with mercy towards others. So if you haven't already, I invite you to take your Bible. If you brought it with you, turn it to Jonah chapter 4. We are going to look at that whole chapter. If you're still getting used to where things are in your Bible, this right after Amos and Obadiah, but right before Micah. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, you can grab one of the black Bibles and the seat underneath you there and find this on page 754. Now, before we get into chapter 4, let me just remind you how chapter 3 Ended In verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, When God saw what they, the Ninevites, did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amazing. Amazing mercy. Amazing grace. So let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. In fact, let's read it out loud together there on our notes. It says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became Notice the irony here. If you're falling on your notes, while God turns from his anger, Jonah becomes angry. And we already know. Why is Jonah angry? Jonah is angry because God has shown mercy to the people he hates. He's angry because he wants God to show him mercy, but he doesn't want him to show mercy to people he doesn't think deserves mercy. Jonah is angry because he can see nothing beyond himself and what he wants. If you're following on your notes again, while Jonah wants mercy for himself, he wants none for others. Again, can this ever happen to us? Can we ever want other people or the Lord to show us mercy, but we don't think other people, those people, deserve it? It can to me. 
Now I just want you to start to pay attention, starting in verse 2, to this spiral that anger leads Jonah towards, because this is what we're going to dig into. Verse 2 says, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, if you've been here, you know this is the second time that Jonah has prayed in this book, right? The first time we find him in the worst situation possible. He is in the belly of a fish and he prays an amazing prayer. Here he is in the best possible situation, getting to see a miracle at work, and he prays the worst kind of possible prayer, right? His first prayer comes from a broken heart, but this prayer comes from a selfish heart. One of the things I noticed in verse 2 is that the word I or me is used nine times in just this one verse in the Hebrew language. This prayer is about myself, me, 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 Lord. And what we see there is a very self-centered outlook. And friends, here starts the spiral. Anger leads to self-centeredness. In fact, again, if you're on your notes, if you want to shrink your heart, focus only on yourself. This is what Jonah's doing. Me, me. Me, me, and I'm telling you, again, if you're falling, here goes the spiral. When we become self-consumed, we become unmerciful. And that is the worst train of thought that we could have as followers of Jesus. When we just embrace this, it's about me. It's about what you're not doing for me. It's about what God isn't doing for me. It's all about me. I think, personally, this is ultimately what leads to every broken relationship out there. This is the attitude in broken marriages. This is the attitude in broken friendships. This is the attitude with employee-employer relationships, right? I mean, just admit it. We all get to this place. I deserve this, and they're not giving it to me. Therefore, I will not show them mercy. Now, I wish I could tell you it gets better here, but it gets worse for Jonah. Look at verse 3. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. That is a bad place to be. God, if you're not going to kill them, I want you to kill me instead. And you might read that and go, Jonah, oh man, come on. Wake up. You're crazy. How much has God blessed you? He saved you from the belly of a fish. Are you kidding me? He brought revival through you. Why can't you see any of that? But isn't it true when we're in the middle of a self-centered spiral, we can't see anything else? We are blind to all the good things in life. This is the bottom of the spiral if you're falling on your notes. When we become unmerciful, we lose the proper perspective. Anger leads to self-centeredness. Self-centeredness leads to an unmerciful heart. An unmerciful heart means we lose perspective, the reality of our lives. And we've all been here. We've all gone down this spiral. Jonah loses perspective in two clear ways, in my opinion here. I'm going to walk through these real quick. The first perspective he loses is that it's so easy for us. We forget God's mercy to us. Jeff talked about this in chapter 2, right? When you find yourself in this downward spiral, the pit of self-centeredness and anger, you forget everything else that is good in your life. 
We just tend to focus on what is bad in our lives. How quickly Jonah forgets the incredible mercy God showed to him. And I will say what I said way back in chapter one, if you were here, I am Jonah. I am Jonah. I am just like him. I so easily forget in hard times, in self-pitying times, in self-consumed times, when I'm angry, all the good things that God has given to me. In fact, it gets worse, right? When we see somebody else receive something good from God and you're down in that pit, what do we think? It's not fair. Why don't you care about me, God? Where's the mercy for me? They don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve the raise. My wife doesn't deserve my apology. I mean, this is where we end up getting. We start throwing pity parties and forget about all of God's good gifts to me. When you get to that place, you can't stand it when other people receive mercy. Other people receive grace. It reminds me of the parable Jesus tells of the vineyard owner who comes and hires workers at 9 a.m., says, I'm going to pay you this much. Great. They were excited. They actually got hired. And he keeps going back throughout the day until he hires people at 5 p.m. And they maybe work an hour. And he gives them all the same. And the guys who were hired at 9 a.m. go, this isn't fair. Didn't I give you what I promised? Yeah, but is it okay for me to be generous? I mean, Jesus leaves it at that. Is it okay when other people receive mercy, people we don't think deserve it? We lose perspective, right? We so easily lose perspective of what God has given us. Have you ever been on a mission trip somewhere? What's the first thing you say when you come back? I can't believe how blessed I am. I can't believe how much God has given me. And yet, when you head down this slope, it's easy to forget. So that's the first thing, right? We got to remember Remember the good gifts that God has given to us. The second reason Jonah and we can head down the spiral is quite honestly, if you're following, we create God in our own image. This is one of the biggest mistakes in the Western world today. We tend to start with our suppositions of who God is. This is who I believe God to be. And what happens is if God doesn't fit into the box that I've made him to fit into, I begin to get angry at him, angry at others, angry at what I'm seeing in this world. Think about this from the book of Job. It's kind of what the book of Job is about. Jonah, or Job goes down to the worst place possible a human to go, and his friends know exactly why. And for 38 miserable chapters, they tell him, This is who God is. This is why God is doing this to you, right? It's the worst book in the Bible. These guys, you just want to slap them. And at the end, God shows up and he says, it's not who I am. Don't put me in this box. You can't define me. You can't put me into your little world here. And like Job, we all do this. Like Job's friends, we all do this, right? We have this picture. Here's how God is. This is who I think God is. But here's the thing. We are all wrong to some degree. Most of you are more wrong than me. But, yeah, I'm glad you laughed. Listen, isn't that true, though? We all have these things like this is who I know God is. But the majority of us sometimes have stuff we think that's probably actually not how God is. I've imported things like my bias, my culture, my upbringing, 
my political leaning. I import things like, well, God loves the same people that I love, and he hates the same people that I hate. And then I make him into this nice little picture, and he looks just like me. One of the things I love about studying Jesus, can't wait to go back to Mark, he is constantly challenging our presumptions about God, right? If, you, if Jesus you follow agrees with everything you agree with, you're probably not following the re- real Jesus, right? If Jesus spends money the way you spend money, if Jesus loves who you love and hates who you hate, that's when you know you're making Jesus into your own image, right? This is what the Pharisees could not handle. No, God doesn't hang out with those people. God doesn't love those people. Why are you hanging out with them? Why do you love sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes? Why do you love those people? And we all have them. Those people. The people we think that the way we view them is the same way that God views them. For Jonah, it was the Ninevites. How on earth can you show them this kind of mercy? I knew you would do it. Who have we canceled from the kingdom of God? Who have we decided God doesn't like? Who have we decided God doesn't want to show mercy to? We would do well to remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's rough. Sadly, Jonah isn't there yet. Would you read verse 4 on your notes with me out loud? It says... But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? What an incredible question. This time he doesn't answer it. He won't answer God. Instead, look at verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Can you just picture this? Do you have any right to be angry? (laughs) Go sit up here on the hill. You know what he wants? He wants God to come around to his point of view. He's waiting for the fireworks to come, like Sodom and Gomorrah. He is throwing a pity party. He's up on the mountain going, God, I still believe you're going to do the right thing here. I still believe you're going to fit in my box. It reminds me of the story Jeff used to tell of the little girl who was told to go stand in the, or sit in the corner on her little stool because she got in trouble from her mom. And she says to her mom, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. (laughs) This is Jonah. This would have been a bad time to try to talk to Jonah, right? Talk reason into Jonah. Have you ever tried to talk reason into somebody who finds themselves in this place? It does not go very well. Hey, Jonah, where are you going? Get away from me. Jonah, don't you think you're losing your perspective here a little bit? Stop talking to me. We all get here, right? We love the little pity party. We love to just eat those morsels of anger that rise up in our hearts because they taste good. I don't want wisdom in these moments. I want to think the way that I'm thinking right now because I'm having a great time thinking the worst about those people. You know why Jonah goes and sits there, friends? Like I said, he wants God to see his perspective. And this whole book is about God trying to show him his perspective. Now, question for you right here. What's God going to do right now? 
I mean, what would you do right now? Right? This guy has no chance. I'm sick of him. If you've known anything about the book of Jonah, this is the big idea of this whole book. If you're following on your notes, you better believe in his mercy, God is still relentless in his pursuit of Jonah. I don't get it. I, my, my mercy bucket would have been empty by now. But God's mercy bucket is never empty. You can't get away from God, no matter how rotten of an attitude you have. That's great news. Because I can get a pretty rotten attitude. Look at verse 6. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy at the plant. How gracious was that? God supernaturally grows this jack-in-the-beanstalk over Jonah in one night. Another miracle in this book. And guess what? For the first time in this whole book, Jonah is happy. First time. Of course he's happy. God finally gets it. It's about me. Thanks, God. This is how it's supposed to be. Now you're understanding it. I'm tired of this mercy for other people. Keep giving it to me. This is what our life is supposed to be. Surely at this moment, Jonah's going to change his attitude once and for all. Surely he'll realize, oh, I've been on this distorted path, this spiral down. Except here's the problem. When we're headed down that path, when we get that unmerciful heart, we lose our gratefulness. We, we don't even see anything good anymore. Blessings become something we expect from God. I deserve this. That's exactly what Jonah's thinking. It's about time. I deserve this from you. Look at verse 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Another translation that says the worm attacked the plant. I love that. It's this uber worm that God sends, right? What's going on here? Well, he's got a lesson he wants to teach Jonah. Verse 8. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. I'm back at the bottom of the spiral, and now comes the lesson God wants for Jonah and for us today. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Same question he asked earlier, right? Is it right for you to be angry? Here's Jonah's chance to repent. It is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. That is the saddest sentence in the book of Jonah. The worst possible place to get to. His heart has gotten so hard, he has shut himself off from any mercy, from any grace, from any love of God, and any ability to do that to others. God, in his amazing patience and love, was trying to show this to Jonah. In effect, listen, Jonah, please, look where your anger has taken you. And again and again, he's relentless in his pursuit of Jonah. Jonah, you're angry enough to die because of a stupid plant. Is that the way you really want to live? You want to spend the rest of your life with a shriveled up heart, consumed only with yourself. And the book ends this way in verses 10 and 11. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. In other words, this was a clear act of mercy. 
Something you didn't deserve. It was a gift that I gave to you. And now read verse 11 in your notes there with me. It says, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Jonah, you're so concerned about a measly plant. Can't you see as the creator of this world that people are so much more important? I love that he also says animals here, right? An interesting thing. We should care about God's creation. Don't you say that I should care for thousands of people? Once again, the big idea of this book, actually not just this book. This is the big idea of the entire Bible. If you're following on your notes, God's heart has deep mercy for lost people. People like Jonah, people like the Ninevites, people like you, people like me. And yes, every person in the world, because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son relentlessly pursuing people. God's like, Jonah, you're angry about a plant, a plant I gave you, a plant you didn't deserve, especially with your attitude. And listen, as badly as you feel about this plant dying, I want you to understand my heart. This is how I feel about the Ninevites. This is how I feel about every person on earth. I made them in my image. I cherish them. People are like children to me, Jonah. Especially these people here, they don't know their right hand from their left. They're still children. They didn't have the same advantages you did being a part of the chosen people, learning my law and my love for them. These Gentile pagans are infants compared to you. Should I not be concerned? Friends, if we've learned one thing from the book of Jonah, it's that the Lord is relentless in his pursuit of all people. Our God is a compassionate, patient, merciful God, and Jonah doesn't like that about God, even though he got to experience that in his own life. Thankfully, thankfully, Jonah responds positively in verse 12. It says, oh, shoot, we don't know. We don't know what he does. The book just ends. Should I not be concerned? I don't know what Jonah decided. Nobody does. Did he repent like the Ninevites did and understand mercy that he received and that he should show to others? Don't know. Did you know Jesus told the exact same story in the New Testament? Probably his most famous story. It's called the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. Remember that one? Where there's this son who basically says to his dad, I wish you were dead takes half of his inheritance, takes his inheritance from him, goes and lives this crazy party wild life. And he decides at the end to repent, to go back to his dad. Maybe my father will let me work as a slave. But instead, this father, this Jewish father runs out to meet his son. No Jewish father would do that. Embraces him and said, it's time to party. Though he was dead, he is now Alive, He shows him incredible mercy and grace. An amazing story. Again, though, I wish it ended there. It ends this way. Do you remember this? In Luke 15, starting in verse 25. Meanwhile, 
the older son was in the field. Dun, dun, dun. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe and sound. The older brother became what? So he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered, just like God did with Jonah, right? But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, that's what an unmerciful heart says, who had squandered your property with prostitutes, Comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, Jonah, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the older brother said, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. Why? Because that's the question for every one of us. It's a question for every one of us. Am I going to end up with like Jonah and the elder brother? We're all left with it. Jesus minces no words when he says in Luke 6.36, which is on your notes. Would you read it with me? Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Yikes. (laughs) What? I don't think I can do that. People have hurt me too bad. That's a lot of mercy. But here is the point of both of these stories, both of these endings. If you're following on your notes, only when I understand God's mercy to me will I be merciful. Does Jonah understand in the end? We don't know. Does the older brother understand in the end? We don't know. Do you? Do I? Do we understand just how merciful God has been to us? How's this going for you? Are you concerned about other people? Those people? Do I see people the way God does or the way I see them? I think God sees them that way, but probably doesn't. Do we as a church love Nineveh? Or like Jonah, am I just focused on me, myself, and I and become apathetic and unmerciful towards others that I would rather have God judge than receive mercy? Are there people you resist loving or caring for because of their values, their beliefs, their lifestyles? Who are your personal Ninevites? We've all got them. I could give some examples right now based on what we see in culture, right? Who are Christians known for hating? That's our Ninevites. Are we willing to show those very people the mercy God has shown us? Friends, if you find yourself in a place where you cannot show mercy, that's a dangerous place to be. Don't know how Jonah answered. Don't know how the elder brother answered those questions. But what matters for us today is how are you going to answer? Will you show mercy like the father showed you mercy? Some of you might remember back in June, we handed out these little passports with some of our mission partners in them. And our newest missionaries is an organization called Elroy Haiti. And if you've been paying attention to the news, we haven't talked a lot about this because They asked us not to. They wanted it to be kept quiet. But some of you know the story of a nurse who was kidnapped in Haiti. 
This is a, she was a part of our organization that we support. She was kidnapped, held captive for days until finally she was freed. And just this last week, this again, this was on news stations, so you might have seen it. It's gone viral. She had a word for the kidnappers. And here's what she says to them. Si tout le monde dit nous, nous avons nous dans la clinique, là, les malades, les blessés, sans problème. Nous comprenons qu'il y a pour qui ça n'est pas possible pour nous, mais si c'est pour volonté, nous avons nous avec mes ouverts. Pour nous connaître, nous avons besoin de nous connaître pour nous. Mais ça ne veut pas dire que nous sommes d'accord avec ça. Si tout ça n'a fait compte, Côte accès haïtien ou yo. Parce que même que yo fin paye yo lage, sa kite yon cicatrice nan ke yo. Ki pap jam retire. Et, <coughs> an lot bagay map di nou anko se ke, mkone ke, nap chache kontatman, nap chache satisfaction, nap chercher cob n'a chercher pouvoir n'a chercher statis pour nous remplir un bagage dans ke nou donc on tourne dans ke nou qui vide un espace vide dans ke nou et n'a chercher tout bagage ça yo pour nous plein pour nous remplir espace vide ça même ta remet pour nous connecter bagage ça yo pas jamais satisfait nous veut li pas jamais remplir tout espace vide là qui dans ke nou li pas jamais remplir vrai et seule façon qui nous capable remplir espace vite ça c'est avec l'amour Jésus-Christ. Jésus-Christ prêt pour pardonner nous tout ça nous fait ever ça nous fait, il prêt pour pardonner nous. Nous juste besoin accepter l'amour ça. Elle nous fait accepter tout côté dans qui nous qui vit tout côté dans qui nous qui santé li manke yon bagay la pou rempli yo avec la joie avec la paix avec l'amour que nou pa jam kite kapab imagine et tout bagay nou tap chase yo ou ap vin wè ke bagay sa yo pa anyen et se mesaj sa m te gen pou nou matin mwen remen nou nan kris on lèm ta kontan ale nan syèl la pou m'embrase nou et puis tout pour papa ici on m'a dit un dernier bagage malgré ça qui était passé l'amour gagne pour nous l'amour gagne pour Haïti ça pas changer ça va retirer what did her kidnappers deserve judgment what did she give them mercy so how about us falling on your notes am I showing mercy to others like the father did to me I just want you to take a moment as we prepare to take communion the ultimate gift of mercy we could have ever been given if the Lord is bringing to your mind right now to your heart right now somebody some people or just those people generally who you would rather have him judge than show mercy to Just acknowledge that. 
and ask him to have the same heart that he has towards you for them. Father, we so often fall short, and I know this is one of those areas, especially. Yes, you are a God of justice. You will judge rightly and fairly, but thank you that you are also a God of mercy. As your people, we want to learn and grow to be merciful as you have been merciful to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like more info on our church, you can visit our website or find us on Facebook.